0: Hello and welcome to the Simply Mental podcast recorded in beautiful downtown Huntsville, Alabama. We're the only podcast dedicated to helping you live a healthier life emotionally and mentally. I am your host Chris DePew, and I sure am glad that you joined us today. This week's episode is brought to you by Magnolia Ranch Recovery. Magnolia Ranch Recovery is a drug and alcohol treatment center like no other. Situated in a small farm in the foothills of Middle Tennessee, they say their clients learn and live in celestial serenity. Now that does sound nice. They offer equine therapy and other therapies along with traditional alcohol and drug treatment. As far as the rest of the treatment goes, it is given to you by some of the finest counselors in the state of Tennessee. They are a 15-bed facility, so therefore they're able to offer you individualized treatment like no other center can. If you'd like more information, about Magnolia Ranch Recovery, please call 888 992 Hello, friends, and welcome to episode six of the Simply Mental podcast. I'm glad you could join us this week. Uh, this week's topic is a sensitive one for many, many people. Uh, It's, it has varied viewpoints from counselor to counselor, even Um, uh, treatment is going to be the second part of this podcast. So this, the the first section, uh, the first podcast, it's a two series uh, topic. And the first series is going to focus on what is addiction. Um, The treatment of addiction will come in next week's podcast. But this first section is all about what is addiction? What, what is it clinically versus what people think it is Um, you know just the general population that doesn't have any training in addiction or experience with it you know what what do they say it is and then what do we say it is clinically because it is two different things in a lot of cases Um, so but I want to start off by saying you have to understand that there are a lot of different viewpoints um, for addiction. There's ways to look at it that are different than the other. Scientific research backs up several ways, uh, including the disease model, um, which is, by the way, the model that I will be talking about is the disease model of addiction, because I think that there's the most evidence that points towards that, in my opinion. Uh, There are other ways to view addiction. There are other ways to to categorize it. There are other ways to think about it it, but the one that's worked for me clinically is certainly the disease model, okay? So we're going to take some time today to break down what is the disease model of addiction or what is addiction in general. Um, Let me start by saying that if you sensitive to the subject of addiction then you might want to see a counselor and see what they say and find a difference of opinion Um, and fine if you don't like what I have to say that's fine there's lots of ways to go about it Um, and some of the ways that I talk about are not maybe the most popular and maybe it doesn't seem like it's going to work for you so if you're struggling with addiction right now Find whatever it is that works for you. That's the most important thing that I can, a piece, of, a piece of advice or piece of information I can give you, is that you have to find what is your own path to recovery. And again, treatments later in the next next week's podcast, but just know that even if you don't like the things I say here, there are other people who think differently, and there may be people that think just like you about it. So you have to find what's going to work for you, okay? So please don't think that this is the viewpoint of everyone alright disease model of addiction we know it's a brain disease Uh, it is a genetic disease Um, genetic disease meaning that you probably had this passed down from future generations so if you suffer from the disease of addiction most likely it was a genetic disease that you got from whatever you know the gene pools that you were drawn from and created from included this gene for addiction there are team teams of uh, researchers trying to find the gene so they can identify where it is, what it is, what is the gene that contains this information for addiction uh, i don't I don't really know much about the research going into um, how that what that looks like or how they're going about finding the gene that's a little beyond the the science of behavior that I study. so if you need more if you want more information about the genetic research side of. Um, this disease and I I encourage you to to go online and find those teams of researchers and try to pull up some of their their research because it might be beneficial to you um, to read so genetic disorder it's a brain disease that means that someone who suffers from the disease of addiction has a different type of brain from someone who does not now the ways I'm going to explain this are They're simplistic. They kind of help you understand the ways that it is without getting very clinical about it. Uh, And so, you know, hopefully this makes sense to you. It's helped a lot of people that I've worked with when I break it down the way that I'm going to give it to you. So, hopefully, it'll work for you too. Um, All right. So, let's think of it this way there are people who can abuse a substance. Uh, Friday night, Saturday night, maybe even Sunday night, uh, wake up on Monday morning and they don't ever think about their drug of choice or whatever they were partying with. They don't even think about that until they want to party again. They don't have any cravings. They don't have any using thoughts. They don't have a desire to use the drug. They don't have anything pulling them towards that drug when they're not using it. So then there are those people who you know they use, they abuse a substance friday night saturday night maybe sunday night and on monday morning when they wake up they have cravings and using thoughts they have a desire to continue to use that substance they have a pull towards using that substance every day they they have these cravings and these using thoughts uh, most every day um, sometimes all day And so those two different brain types is one way, a simplistic way, again, that we can see the difference between the two brain types. One, uh, one whose brain does not have the tendency for dependency, which we'll get into more in a minute, and one that does now. I'm not, I'm not going to get into why those two brains exist and how we can monitor those type brain types. I'm not going to get into all of that. Just know that there are people who do not suffer from the disease of addiction that can abuse a substance. Only when they want to. I will say that (laughs) that most of you that do suffer from the disease of addiction would like to throat punch those folks. Uh, And I get that because you're frustrated with the fact that you want to abuse this substance because you like the way it feels, XYZ. But your life is being destroyed um, by... By this substance, You're, you have a drive that is unlike anything else to seek out and use your substance of choice, okay? Uh, this could be alcohol, this could be cocaine, methamphetamines, uh, ice, all of these things are substances, they're mood-altering substances, which means that they are the body has a tendency to be dependent upon those, and typically your body will find one or the other that it likes the most. Um, all right, so let's move into dependency and why we call, why I keep using the word dependency. Um, clinically, we don't really throw out the word addiction too much. We do, um, we do a lot just when we're talking, you know, in, in casual terms about addiction. But truly, what goes on in the body is a process of dependency. See, the brain with those people who have the disease of addiction. The brain has the ability to quickly adjust itself and rapidly adjust itself for whatever substance you're giving it. So if it's an opiate, like a painkiller that you're addicted to, or you're dependent upon your brain will. So what it does in the brain is it allows dopamine to float between receptors longer. And so if that's the case, then your brain is really super smart and efficient. And so your brain says, well if it's going to allow this dopamine to be in the system longer then I'm going to stop producing maybe some of this dopamine and other things Um, and when it makes that adjustment and shifts it's then become dependent upon you giving it that substance every day now again this is a very simplistic way to look at it and explain it but it helps you to understand what's going on in the body so if your body becomes dependent upon an opiate a painkiller for survival essentially but it's not necessarily survival but every day you have a craving and a using thought and you get sick if you don't use them which is withdrawal symptoms your body's dependent upon it and so when you don't use your body tells you through withdrawal symptoms that hey idiot you've got to give me this because you uh, have been giving this to me for a while and I'm now dependent upon it. So you better go find it, go do it, go get it, whatever it takes to get this substance back in me because that's how I'm surviving right now. And so again, simplistic as it may be, that is a really good way to think about what goes on in the brain when you become when you abuse a substance and then become dependent upon it. So this here's where I want to explain the difference between what the general population thinks about addiction and what it truly is clinically. The general population would love to tell people that they just need to quit doing it. They do tell people that just quit. It's your decision every day to just quit. Um, yeah, maybe a little bit, but not really. Uh, once you abuse a a drug of choice, a substance and you do have the disease of addiction, you really don't have much choice after the brain has become dependent because you're dependent upon it. Number one, that means your body has to have it to function appropriately without withdrawal symptoms. But two, this very strong craving and using thought and urge to use the drug is so powerful. That addiction, that disease in your brain is so powerful that it does not allow you to think of any other way to live other than to have its substance of choice okay can you just quit sure that sounds super simple but if that were the case then everybody would just stop because nobody wants nobody asks for nobody wants the life that being dependent upon a a substance brings. Because being dependent on a substance means that you will do anything it takes to get that substance if you need to. You'll steal, you'll do things that you know are wrong, you'll cheat people, you'll uh, all sorts of things. Just to be able to maintain some sort of stability in your life that comes from being dependent upon the substance. So is it a choice? In the very beginning when you very first abuse a substance yeah that was your choice but once the body became dependent upon that substance there really and truly was no longer a choice so the world the general population kind of gets that wrong sometimes it's not as easy as just saying I'm not gonna take this anymore and move forward if it were people like me wouldn't exist Uh, we wouldn't need to I think it was um, Carl Rogers maybe or maybe one of the other great minds in the counseling world said that if there was not abuse or addiction, there wouldn't be a need for counselors in the world. And I, some days, I truly believe that and that would be the case. If there were no abuse and no, no, uh, no addiction in the world, we wouldn't have a purpose. So there wouldn't be people like me if it was as easy as just saying, I don't want to do this anymore because of the consequences. And that's the main concern. All right, so brain disease dependency explained a little bit of that I want to talk to you about what's called the three C's of addiction and these are the things to look out for in your life when you're out and about going about things because they can occur for lots of things in your life not just a substance but this these three things being present really indicates that there could be a really major problem or one that's upcoming maybe all right so the three C's of addiction these things have to be present in your life to really and truly be diagnosed with a dependency of a substance okay all right so the first C is compulsion to use so a compulsion to use is beyond a choice a compulsion is i have to do this to survive i do this without any brain activity any brain thinking any prefrontal cortex really uh, activity it is an instinctual i have to go do this and get this substance in my system um, immediately and that's a compulsion way different than what the general population calls a habit a habit indicates more thinking than it does instinctual compulsion and this is again simplistic way of looking at it but i want to put it this way because it seems it's helped a lot of people after i describe it this way there are substances like nicotine like maybe cigarettes you know generally speaking You think about wanting a cigarette and then you go, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll go out and smoke right now. Hey, I want a cigarette right now. Let's go smoke. That's more like a habit than drug use where it is some sort of deep, um, deep deep-rooted desire and need and craving uh, and, again, dependency to survive um, than then nicotine so you you have a a dependency is a is a much deeper no thought kind of process that's what a compulsion is and that's what addiction dependency is a habit is something that really you do have more thought about than you thought you did okay all right the next c is continued use despite negative consequences all right so when you have a dependency on a substance, you may get in trouble. Um, like I said, you have this desire to use this drug of choice no matter what. So you're out there living a lifestyle typically, that is not one that you would have ever chosen for yourself you're having to steal from people from stores just to support the habit Um it's not just stealing there's a lot of other things that go into this as well illegal activities but I will say that stealing is, is on the top of the list one of the first things people go to so you'll steal people that you from people that you love people you never thought you'd steal from And that's this drive, all right, to to get this substance. So that's where negative consequences come from those behaviors. And when you have a negative consequence and you continue to use beyond that negative consequence, that in itself is what i'm talking about continued use despite negative consequences so that's the second one the last one is loss of control so control is the next c but it's really loss of control and and i'm not really talking about loss of control of your life although that does happen as well what i'm talking about more than that is the loss of control over the amount of a substance you're going to use so what does that look like? Um, for alcohol, you might often have a dependence. If you have a if you have a dependency on alcohol, you might tell yourself on the way home, man, one beer for dinner tonight. I want to have one beer. That's all I want to drink. Of course, this is if beer is your alcohol of choice, but uh, I'm going to have one beer tonight for dinner, and that's all I'm going to drink. And then when you get home, the entire refrigerator of beer is gone. That's loss of control over the amount of substance you're going to use. So if we're talking about pills, let's go back to Xanax, benzodiazepines or you know, which is Xanax or clonobin, or and then or painkillers, whatever the case may be, you might get a ration of those pills and you say, Okay, well I have I have twelve pills and I need to make these pills last me the next two, three days, say. And I'm telling you that it never happens. I know there's some people right now listening that are laughing because that, as soon as I said that, they knew that <laughs> that's not gonna happen. You telling yourself how much you're gonna use and I, you're spacing them out, for the most part, that never happens, okay? So that's what I'm talking about. Loss of control over the amount of the substance that you're gonna use. All right, so we talked a little bit about the disease model. How we know it's a disease model we've talked a little bit about the three c's of addiction to look out for in your life those can actually occur for behavioral addictions as well not so strongly represented really but but they are present for most um, behavioral addictions like gambling or pornography or a sex addiction those things are also present in those areas but Again, they work a little—they work a little differently than a drug of choice that you're taking, a substance that you're taking. We talked about that. Um, the other things that I want to say that the world thinks about is the world wants to talk about how people who become dependent upon a substance are no good. They are worthless drains on society. I hear that quite a bit. I have people tell me, I even have had a clinician before tell me that I'm wasting time working with people with addictions Um, and that breaks my heart because some of the clientele that I see for addictions are some of the best people that I know they've been there they've been through it they're more than willing to help with anybody trying to go through it matter of fact some of the programs of treatment that's a big component of it and we'll get into that next week but I want to say this word right now if you are struggling with an addiction if you have a substance that you abuse, that you know has gotten out of hand, you've had to shift your lifestyle because of this use of addiction, if you've had to call in to work because you had to go find your drug of choice before you could function for the day, if you're missing work, if you're missing out with family time, if you're isolating a lot, You need to reach out for help, okay? And yes, this is very, very, very hard, Um, but you have to get help because the brain disease of addiction, if it's continually fed, if you continually feed the addiction, give it more substance, give it more drugs of choice, it will kill you. It is a progressive and um, chronic illness that will not go away on its own. Uh, You cannot will yourself out of this most of the time. There are those stories of people who do, and that's great. But for the majority of people, you can't will yourself out of this. You're going to need help, and that's what we're going to talk about next week is how to get help. I want to point to a sponsor of this podcast uh, as a great resource for getting help. Uh, magnolia ranch recovery, uh, is a really great recovery. And again, I'm going to talk more about treatment in the next podcast, but there are people who care about you. Uh, if you're suffering from the disease of addiction, if you're suffering from a dependency, there are people that care, uh, your life doesn't have to be over. You can live the life that you've always dreamed uh, you just need help getting there, and there's, there, there's no shame in that. Um, this is not admitting defeat. Um, you're not a quitter. You are a very strong person. Um, the fact that you can admit that you have a dependency or a substance abuse problem is strength. That is a definition of strength in my eyes. Uh, weakness is to continue to allow something to have control over you that you no longer want to have control over your life. So if you're at the point where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, or you're at the point where you no longer want something to have control over you like your dependency does, it's time to get some help. If you need help finding somewhere to go, uh, you you can email me. You can send a tweet to me. That's a little public, but if you have to, that's the only way you know how to communicate to me. That's fine. You can, but do send an email to me. Um, my, I will be there for you to help find you a place to get some help. Okay. I will help find you a local place if I have to, um, somewhere that's close to you, but I will help find, find you help. Okay. I'll help with you. I care about you. And you know that you need, you're worth it. That's what you need to know is you're worth getting the, help and living the life that you need. Okay. All right. Well guys, um, again, thanks to the sponsor Magnolia Ranch Recovery. Uh, I really appreciate you listening in this week. Also, I'm on a big push right now to get enough ratings on iTunes, um, to kind of be kind of put on the forefront or kind of had a light shine on the podcast. So if you're really enjoying what you're hearing and you really enjoy listening to this podcast every week, please go to iTunes and give me a rating. I would really, really appreciate it. It would mean the world to me. Um, Also, if you think that you want to or you're able to support financially, if you're enjoying this and you think that supporting financially is is something you want to do, I have uh, the ability to do that through Patreon. And that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash simply mental. You go there, you can give as little as a dollar a month uh, all the way up to however much a month you want to give. And anybody anybody that... Uh, gives $10 or more a month. We'll have the ability to be on a video chat with me uh, every month. I'll do a video chat with all of my $10 or more a month subscribers, uh, and you'll have a little more personal interaction with me. You can ask me questions about anything, really, about life, about podcasting, about uh, any of the topics we've talked about. But it's a way that you can be you can have more time in a, more, in, a, in a different setting, I guess, with me. Um, so if, if you can do that, I would greatly appreciate it. But rating me on iTunes means just as much to me. Uh, if you can give financially, that would be great. That's patreon.com forward slash simply mental um all right well thanks friends thanks for hanging out with me for a little while uh we'll see you next week for part two of this addiction talk where we'll go into some of the treatment styles ways to get help um where to get help and what all that means okay thanks so much for listening we'll see you next week this has been the simply mental podcast thank you so much for listening I want to remind everybody that the information shared in this podcast is not meant to replace the information from a professional. So if you need a professional, please be sure to reach out and find a professional in your area. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and also rate in iTunes. We'll see you next time.